Romans chapter number 16. Thank you. Uh, we do believe in, in uh, good uh, male leadership. I believe the Lord blesses it and honors it. And uh, so let me bring some balance to that uh, tonight. I want to preach tonight on the subject of women and the work of God. Women and the work of God. Uh, I want to, to talk about Phoebe tonight, all right, in Romans 16. And, uh, you know, folks with certain personal agendas usually always accuse some group of uh, falsely of extremes. Uh, sometimes it's not false, but many times it is. The abortion crowd is always accusing the anti-abortion crowd that they don't care about women, and that's simply not true. We just would like for people to accept responsibility for their choices and their decisions and that a child would not have to pay the consequences of their irresponsibility. And Democrats sometimes. I remember Sister Osborne. She's 97 now, but she was with us for many years, uh, a pastor and preacher's wife, and she was such a blessing to us. But every uh, time when it comes to election time, uh, she would get a letter uh, from the Democratic Party and... uh, they would always send out letters of fear. And they would always try to let her think in her mind that the Republicans were about to cut off her Social Security check. And she was scared to death. And I had to calm her down and assure her that that's simply not true. What I'm saying is, is that groups who don't like other groups usually say extreme things about the other group that are simply not true. Be careful that you're not guilty of that. Because sometimes your dislike for something will cause you to over, may overstate something that is simply not true about the other folks that you may not agree with. I think the Apostle Paul sometimes uh, has been called, by, especially by certain groups, a misogynist. Now, I'm not talking about somebody that massages you. That's not what that, that's not M-A-S-S-A-G. Okay, that's M-I-S. O-N-G-Y-N-I-S-T. In case you don't know how to spell that, that's simply misogynist, and it means that you have a great dislike or despise or have a great prejudice against women. And especially in the ministry and in churches. The Apostle Paul made it very clear, 1 Timothy 2.11, that he did not want women to usurp the authority of men, especially in the ministry of preaching and teaching and leading men. And uh, he just wanted to bring some balance to that because of the, uh, the, because the Lord would have it to be that way. But I want you to notice something very, uh, very important here uh, concerning Phoebe. And ladies, I thank God for you. And I want to emphasize that tonight, that I believe that God wants to use you. And I don't want you to ever think that we don't, that we don't trust you or that we don't uh, believe that you could lead. We just don't feel like it's the will of God that you lead men. That's all. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't be in a position of responsibility and in a position of where that maybe you need some help and you might be in charge of something out, outside the realms of the, of the public preaching and teaching ministry. So let's look at this, all right? Can I say to you that usually when somebody uh, has an agenda or they have a personal preference about something, they usually always try to tell you what the Bible says by going back 
to the quote what they say are the original languages so that they can say this means this and this means this. It doesn't really mean that. And so I know that there are many guys that I know of who, not many guys, but I know some who will say that Phoebe was a, was she was a female deacon of the church here. And, but that's not what she is. Okay. She is just a good, godly woman that can be trusted. And I want you to look at it here with me, please. In, in the, uh, you know, a deacon was supposed to be the husband of one wife also. And I think it's very difficult for a woman to be the husband of one wife. Amen, Brother Roger. Romans 16. You'll notice, first of all, Paul commends her. Do you know he doesn't do very much of that? To be commended by the Apostle Paul, that is a big deal. Seriously. And he says, I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord as become of the saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she had been a succor of many and of myself also. Let's study this together. Father, would you bless the preaching and teaching of your precious word in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, when the Apostle Paul commends her, he is speaking in favor of her. He is entrusting her and he is praising her. That is what this word commend implies. And by the way, there are those who seek to be commended. And then there are those who ought to be commended. And there is a difference. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 that when you try to commend yourselves among yourselves, he says, you're not wise. He said, when you compare yourself among yourself, he said, you're not wise. He said, it's who the Lord commends. So if you're doing something and you're pleasing God, trust me, if you would, trust the Word of God, I should say, that God will see to it that at some point you will be elevated if that's what He wants for you. You just trust Him and wait on Him. If you've got to make it happen, then it's, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. If you are trying to force your way into something, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. So I want you to see here where that He is commending her. But I want you to notice some facts. Uh, you know, when, when, when Paul commends somebody, boy, it's because he really, 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 really likes them. Look with me, for, I'm going to give you a couple examples, then we're going to study this woman here for just a moment. Uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 real quick. Philippians chapter 2, that would be a few pages over to your right. You'll find the book of Philippians. And notice when he commends a man. Notice what he says, commends a man or recommends a man. Look at what uh, he says about this guy here in the book of Philippians in chapter 2. Look in verse number 19. Look at this. He said, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. So he's commending Timothy. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Timothy is a special individual. Verse 22, he says, But you know the proof of him that as a son with the father... He has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently 
so soon as I shall see how it shall go with me. So he is commending Timothy. Now watch in verse 25. He said, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. And when he says ministered to, this is very similar to the word that he used about Phoebe as a succorer. We'll talk about that in just a moment. In verse 26, For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that you had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again you may rejoice that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him. Receive him. Therefore the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. So when he commends somebody there is a reason they have proven themselves in the ministry. All right? Now, if you would, again, you notice he mentions these two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Look in chapter 4, please, and look in verse number 18. Notice how trustworthy this man is. He says, but I have, but I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. And he was referring to money. He was referring to an offering. This man could be trusted with finances and money. He said, And the offering you sent was an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. It was not easy to travel with money back in those days. It was a perilous thing to have money with you back in those days when you were traveling. And yet they trusted Epaphroditus to do it. He was willing to lay his life down for the cause of Christ, so he commends him. You know what? If you would be very careful on who you commend, people will respect your opinion a whole lot more. That you wouldn't just commend anybody. You know, when somebody says, well, what do you think about brother so-and-so? Can I trust him? Can I use him? Isn't that always sometimes a loaded question because you want to be honest and you want to be sincere? But sometimes you know that sometimes you can just What you need, instead of just hammering that fellow if you know he can't be, just defer maybe the answer and say, well, I think maybe that you should ask brother so-and-so. I think you'll be better satisfied if you ask brother so-and-so instead of him. Well, wait wait, wait, wait a minute. Now, why would you say that? What's wrong with him? Listen, I just think you ought to ask brother so-and-so. That's my opinion. I ain't talking about it no more. Amen? Can't you do that? And if they want to be the FBI, let them be the FBI, not you. And I'm just saying that sometimes you can't recommend to everybody for everything. Can you? Hmm? You might well go ahead and say amen because you don't. And you don't want just anybody for anything. You don't. And so here he's talking about a couple of guys. Let's go back to Romans 16. Let's study this together for just a moment. Romans chapter number 16. The Bible says here that he's commending Phoebe. And my emphasis on this is that he believes in this woman. He believes in her 
fervently. The Word of God mentions in the Old Testament about the great woman of Shunem. Do you remember her? She had perception. She was a wise woman. She could see things that her husband couldn't see. She cared about things that her husband did not care about. She was more spiritual minded than he was. But I want you to notice here in Romans chapter 16 and verse number 1, he says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. And so I want to mention some things about her. That ladies, I believe that if you would pursue these things, you never know what God may do with you. But you'll notice he calls her our sister. What does that mean to you when somebody says, this is my sister? I'm talking about in Christian realm. What does that imply to you about that person? If you've never met them before, what do you, when they call her a sister, what does that mean to you? She's saved. She's been born again. She's part of the family of God. Do you, do, would you say that's what he means here? A sister in Christ. Not a sister in law. A sister in Christ. And he says that because later on, he refers to her as being also a saint. Now, the Catholic Church has a way of ruining that word for us in the Bible. That implies a dead Christian. But Paul referred to them as living beings, Christians, a saint. And I know that you don't feel like a saint sometimes, but I'm saying that in the eyes of God, you have been sanctified by the blood of Christ and your position is as a saint before the Lord. The saints of God. Verse 2, you receive her in the Lord. He says, this is a sister a sister in Christ. So if you're going to serve the Lord at East River Baptist Church, don't you think one of the qualifications should be that you have a very clear testimony of the new birth, of being born again into the family of God. And so here I believe that he commends her because of that. But the second thing is, she said, he said, which is a servant of the church, which is at I think this is very critical to give us insight of this woman. This word is very important to us. She is someone who is in a local church and part of a local church. She's not someone out there that's got a women's ministry just floating around out there ministering to all the women, quote, in the invisible body of Christ or the universal body of Christ. This is a woman who started out and is faithful to a local church and is going to a local church to serve and minister and be a blessing. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about that is, is that Paul teaches Timothy about the development of a disciple of Christ and a fellow helper, and none of us, by the way, can avoid this development is it goes in stages and he gives it to us in the book of second timothy the first one is you have to be a son or a child of god a sister in christ that's the first base that's first step and the second one is is that you have to become a soldier and why does he use the term soldier listen he's got 
he's got being a child, being a sister in Christ is number one. Being a, a soldier is number two. Being a student is number three. And being a servant is number four. You have to go through that progression. To get to this part, the, the, the ultimate compliment is being a servant. That's where you know that you have developed. If you're not a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have not yet developed in your Christian growth. It is critical that you understand that. And so when he calls her a sister, he's talking about her new birth of being born again, and that's very important. And the fact that you need to, right after you get saved and you become a child of God, you've got to, you, you've got to, and, and, and you're going to get to, to where you want to serve, okay? And sometimes you want to serve before you're ready. And so the Lord says, listen, you're going to have to put on a, a soldier's mentality because you're fixing to enter into a battle. You're fixing to enter into warfare. The Christian life is about warfare. It is about spiritual warfare. You are now working in a different, whole different world. And the adversary will hate you for becoming a child of God. And he will certainly hate you if you want to help advance the work of God. And so a soldier has to have expectations. And they, and they train soldiers mentally as well as physically to prepare for opposition, to prepare to be assaulted. Okay? So, listen to me carefully, especially you young folk. Listen carefully to me. You, Joseph understood something. Joseph did what was right when he was... When he was tempted by Potiphar's wife to be involved in a very serious, wicked, ungodly, adulterous affair, he said, God forbid that I should sin against God. He said, no, I'm not going to do this. Okay, now here's where the soldier's mentality has to kick in. What he just did was he resisted darkness. And he just said no to sin. And he just advanced light. So maybe in his mind, Brother Tucker, he's thinking, okay, I did what was right. Now, I'm, I'm expecting God now to just pour some blessings on me for doing what's right right here. But that's not the mentality that you have to take. Because if you've done what is right, the adversary is going to then retaliate. You better get this down. Because you did something good doesn't mean good's fixing to happen to you that afternoon. There have been times that I've, I've been blessed and been a blessing to somebody in the morning and, and got my behind kicked before the night came. I thought I was going to be blessed by the time the night came. But boom, man, there he was. He got me again. But my mentality now has developed over the years that when something good happens, we have a good service, I'm starting, I'm hunkering down. and said, okay, where's it coming from? Seriously. And if, and if, like if, you're a, if, you, if you are a blessing to somebody, Financially, maybe the Lord lays it on your heart and you give a, a special offering to somebody. Maybe you give them a thousand or a couple of thousand dollars and then, uh, you know, you get in your car and you put it in drive and you hit the accelerator and it doesn't move. And your transmission hits the ground. You say, oh, my Lord, well, Lord, I just, I just helped somebody that was in a bind and now, Lord, here, I'm, whoa, this ain't right. You get the poochy lip. You know why you get the poochy lip? It's because you don't have that soldier's mentality. If I shoot across the bow at the enemy, I've got to expect to be shot at. Okay? Now, you've got to get that down before you become a servant. 
Because if you start serving God, you're going to find out that everybody, or should I say the adversary is going to see to it, that you're going to get sideways with somebody. And everybody's not going to love you and appreciate you, pat you on the back and say, well, now some are, and God's going to see to it it happens at the right time. But you've got to have that soldier's mentality about this, that the adversary, you're, in, you're engaged. And listen, this woman wanted to be a servant. The only way that she could be trusted to go to another local church and have some responsibilities there and have other people work with her, she has already passed this test. She understands that she is in a battle. She understands that this is, a, this is not about her. This is not about her ministry. This is about her serving God. And God using her as He sees fit. And Paul could trust her. He said, I commend to you, Timothy. I commend to you, Epaphroditus. But also, I, there's a woman I know named Phoebe. You can trust her. She is a sister in Christ. And that, when we talk about that soldier's mentality, then you've got to move over here to this area of being a student. Because as a student means that you've got to be willing to be taught. You've got to be willing to be taught. And if you're, going to be, if you're going to learn the Word of God, you've got to be teachable. How many times have I said this? You've got to be teachable. You've got to be changeable in order to be usable. Don't be stubborn. Don't be hard-headed. <laughs> now look, this woman was a student of the Word of God. She understood her place. And when you know your, your Bible, you know your place and you're not threatened by that place. You accept it and you're excited about it and you live in it and you enjoy it. And then Paul calls her a servant. And buddy, I'm going to tell you what, that is the most awesome thing you can be called is a servant. Don't call me reverend. You want me to pop you one, don't call me reverend. I don't like that word because it belongs only to the Lord. You can call me brother, you can call me pastor, or you can call me servant. I'm okay with that. Amen. I'm okay with that. Now, here's the thing about this. Is you see in, in, this, in this realm of being a servant that you have to be willing to yield yourself to the Spirit of God and the will of God so that God can use you as He sees fit. His place, His time. So she is a student. She's learning some things about the Bible. She's learning that the greatest compliment is to be a servant. You know, one of the things that makes me scratch my head when I read my Bible, I was reading it this week and I said, Lord, this amazes me. After the Lord had took his men and got some water and took their sandals off and washed their feet and dried them, it wasn't but just the next, and after they had their last Passover meal and he's telling them what he's fixing to go through, it's a very sober scene. The very next verse, the Bible says, and there was a strife among them. 
Now the word strife is connected to what word? I'm sorry? Pride. Contention cometh only by pride. You know what they were strive what, what the strife was about? Anybody remember? Which one? What was it? Well, I appreciate that, but that's a little off base, buddy. You're close. Is it they didn't want him to die? But do you know what they were arguing about? They were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. The greatest. Which one was the best? That's what they were arguing about. Which one was the greatest? Now, you're right. Peter didn't want him to go to the cross. So I want you, you got that understanding right down. And Peter even said he was willing to lay his life down for Christ. You got that part right too. So I want to make sure you understand you got, you got that right. But this situation of what they were arguing about, which one of us is the greatest? That Muhammad Ali syndrome. Which one is the greatest? Y'all remember him, don't you? You you gray-headed folks, you know who I'm talking about. He always walked around talking about, I am the greatest. I'm telling you, Jesus, he had to get on to him, brother. And listen, brother, he's going to the cross. He just said, here's my body. This this bread represents my body, which I'm going to give for you on the cross. Here's this here's this fruit of the vine. I'm going to give my blood for you for the remission of sins. And they're arguing about which one of them is the greatest. If you're going to be a servant, you got to get past that. I would like to have a tape of that conversation. I would like to hear what were they saying to each other. Was was Peter saying, guys, it's got to be me because I'm the only one here that's walked on water. You guys have never walked on water. I don't know what they were comparing themselves among themselves, but I do know this. Jesus got on to them and said, let me tell you something. He said, that's the mind of the world. Talking about Gentiles. That's the mind of the Gentile world. Got to be number one. Got to be number one. Got to be the American idol. I've got to be the top, the best. And there's nothing wrong with striving to do your best and being your best. Nothing wrong with that. But when you start comparing yourself to other people, especially in the work of God, Jesus said that's the mind of a Gentile. He said that's the mind of the world. And he said that's not what you're going to do if you follow me. He said, listen to me. This is what he said. He said, Brother Doug, he said, the greatest among you, the greatest will be your servant. The greatest among you will serve one another. Now, she got a hold of that. Why did he call her a servant? Because she got a hold of that. I am a servant. And you know what a servant can, you know what about a servant? A servant who's really a servant can be trusted. I wonder why he couldn't send somebody else down there. Obviously, she outshined some of the men back at that church. She had a servant's heart. She wasn't trying to boss men around. She wasn't trying to tell men what to do. She wasn't trying to usurp authority. She just wanted to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord looked in her heart and said, I can trust this woman. And I not only can use her at the church at Sincrea, but I also can send her to the church at Rome... And I can help, I can use her to be a blessing. 
Look at this. Look in Romans 16. Not only that, but look, she can be in charge of a few things. Now, I think if you had Mary and Martha up here, Martha would be saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm taking over this thing right here. I'm in charge here. She would probably be saying that. But here you have Romans 16, you have her as being, the Bible says, a servant of the church. Now, why did he say of the church? Because if you can't serve God in a local church where there is authority and where there is accountability, that's why folks move away from the local church. They want to, they don't want to be connected to a local church because they do not want to have to deal with any authority or any accountability. She saw the necessity of both. It's a proving ground. Phoebe passed the test. That gave her the availability for God to use her and she has been sent and she is to be received with proper respect and with proper response. You, fellows at Rome and ladies, are to assist her. I don't think she's leading an evangelistic campaign. I think she is there for the very thing that it says about her. Look what it says over here in verse number 2. Not only does it call her a sister and a servant and a saint, but in verse number 2 it says, For she, at the latter part of that verse, For she hath been a sucker of many and of myself also. That word succorer, only one other time does that word show up in the New Testament. And that is in Hebrews where it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the earth and becoming a man and experiencing things. And so that he is our high priest, he is our succorer. In other words, when we are in trouble and we are in need, the Lord Jesus sees us and he makes sure that someone shows up to encourage us and strengthen us and minister to us in our time of need. But what what is it saying about this woman? It's saying that she's like the Lord Jesus. Ladies, who do you want to be like? Do you want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you want to be a godly woman? A Christ-like woman? This woman was. When she saw somebody hurting and she saw somebody in need, and if she had the capability, she wanted to make a difference and encourage that individual. The Bible says that Paul said, I've experienced it my own self. That word sucker means you run to the aid to comfort and to encourage people. As a servant, as a servant, not looking for anything other than to serve the Lord and to be a blessing. Now, ladies, I want to encourage you by the grace of God. Go through those steps. Let God use you. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things in East River that would not get done if it were not for some good women. And I thank God for you and for your faithfulness. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Go through these steps. Make sure you follow these steps, that you're saved and that you have a soldier's mentality. That yes, there will be some repercussions for you serving the Lord. There will be, but the benefits outweigh the repercussions.
Allow yourself to be teachable so that you might be able to teach. You know what? There's just some things that a pastor should never have to have to deal with in a church. He should have a good woman or good women who may even take care of it in private and he doesn't even know anything about it and doesn't need to know anything about it. Maybe there's a someone in the church that's struggling with a, a child in a situation and a, maybe that mother is at her wit's end and you have been through that and God has helped you through it. And you hear about it or somebody tells you about it. It could be that you could help them over the hump. And when you do that, cut the strings loose and don't try to control that person after you've helped them. Don't act like they owe you something because you ministered to them. Let them go. Maybe some of you have been through the horrible, horrendous, gut-wrenching situation called a divorce. Or death. They're very similar in pain and agony. And it could be that God could use you to help somebody else over the hump in that situation or to avoid that situation. Maybe you can. Maybe somebody is struggling with a marriage and the last thing that a woman needs is to be able to speak to a woman that hates men in general. But someone who fears the Lord and can help push you back toward the will of God, not not necessarily your desires, but as much as maybe your duties to trust the Lord, understanding maybe what you're going through. I don't know, but I just know we've got some good women. And fellas, you know what the Bible doesn't say about her? As you said about uh, that disciple who, James the less, there's some things that we don't know about him because there's some things the Bible doesn't say about him. You know it doesn't say whether or not she is married or if she's a widow or if she is divorced. It doesn't say that, which implies to me that any woman who wants to serve the Lord is not handicapped because of what may have happened around her, that God can use a woman who yields herself to the Holy Spirit and says, God, I want to be your servant. Is it not the older women who are to teach the younger women Hmm? And what it says, the older women, and sometimes that doesn't mean in a classroom. I think you ladies agree with me. Sometimes in classroom you get good instruction, but what a blessing it is to be able to look at somebody one-on-one and ask a question, well, what about this? What about that situation? What about this? How do I deal with that? And what a blessing it is to have some women in your in the church that fear God and who want to lead people. And you say, well, Brother Roger, they don't have a perfect track record and they've had some issues in their life and they've got scars and they're not... Listen, what are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody that's never been in battle? Who, who, who's never suffered? Who's never had maybe some casualties? Who's never 
hurt? Are you looking for somebody that's just absolutely perfect? Good luck. I don't even believe in luck. Good luck with that. Do you know that there's some people who have hurt significantly and learned from it and God used it to crush their heart and they are now dependent upon the Spirit of God and very sensitive to Him, just like in men's lives. God has ways, man, of crushing us so that He can use us for His glory. I had a pastor call me, uh, I don't know, probably about six months ago. And he had bought a bunch of books because he had read this book. And he said, this book will help my people. I've got to get this book in their hands. So he, they got him. He received him at the church. And he called me and said, Brother Roger, I'm in a dilemma because this man now has, has he's been faithful all these years and wrote this book during those times. And then... He failed. He failed morally. He said, should I give this book for them to read knowing that this man, uh, he, the man has tried to get right with God and tried to make amends, and, but he's messed up. He did, he did wrong. He said, can I give this book out to my people in good faith knowing that this man has, a, has, has made some serious mistakes? And... Sometimes I don't know the answers to those questions, and sometimes the Lord just, boom, He just gives it to me. And I'm thankful for that. And the Lord spoke to my heart and told me to tell Him. He said, I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, do you encourage your people to read the book of Psalms? And He said, I know what you mean. He said, you're talking about David, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. Do you throw away the book of Psalms because a man messed up? I don't. I see David's confession. Now listen, I'm very careful of who I read after. You know, if a, man, if a man's a truck driver and he runs off the road, I understand that happens. If he's got a track record of running off the road ten times, I'm not getting in the truck with him. Okay? And I'm saying that sometimes you have such high expectations of people that nobody can help you. And I've learned this about people. They like to receive help from people who are not members of their local church. They'd rather have a a guest, a woman come in whom they don't know anything about and speak to them about something than they would somebody that they see every Sunday. Because your expectations are not biblical and they're not realistic. There are women in here who have struggled and overcome some things who can help some of you if you let them. They don't toot their own horn. But God can hook you up with the right person if you let them. God will use them to help them, to help you. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say tonight. Women in the work of God. Paul goes on in that chapter and he mentions a bunch of women who God has used to help him. And by the way, I don't know how Jesus did this. You're talking about humility? In his ministry, as he walked the earth, 
Sometimes, sometimes those women that followed them would actually use some of their funds to help the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that'd be tough on me and my pride. To be honest with you, it would be. I'm just saying that you need to let people help you. And fellas, you gotta, you got to also understand in your own mind that God uses women in a local church. Do I think that a woman should be the song leader publicly? No, I, I really don't think so. I don't. But you know what? There are some churches who have no choice. They have no choice. So you have choices. Some churches don't. And if you were in a prison camp, you might be, what's the lady that had the fleas on her? Anybody remember? Corey Ten Boom. And there was a godly woman who wrote some books. But if you're in that situation... And who's going to tell you something about the, the Word of God if you're completely ignorant? Watchman Nee, who wrote a lot of books, and you may not agree with everything about him, but God used him mightily in certain ways. And some things he wrote were just plumb on another plane, as far as I'm concerned, and weird in some places. But good stuff that he did write when he was a young Christian. Had an Aquila and a Priscilla that pulled him aside and there was a lady that taught him some things. And it was Apollos that had Aquila and Priscilla that bring them to their home and they discussed biblical things. You say, well, I think Priscilla didn't say a word. I've never met a woman that could do that. <laughs> I better stop right there on that one. Do you understand that God has given, and listen, we're not talking about somebody who wants to boss you around. We're not talking about somebody trying to declare authority over you. We're talking about somebody trying to help you. Amen? If, my, if I'm sick and hurting and I'm, and I'm broken down physically and there's, an, and, and, and there's a nurse around, I thank God for the wisdom and knowledge of that nurse. And she's probably going to tell me what to do probably going to tell me what to do. And I probably will do what she says because I want to get well. And I'm saying sometimes God gives insight to a woman. And fellas, you don't need to be too proud. I don't think you ought to listen to counsel of women altogether all the time, but I do think from time to time that God may give insight to some females in your life because you don't see it. You should at least consider it. Amen? Amen. Now, I realize I always bring up Eve and I always bring up sometimes others who made, gave bad counsel, but did you know from time to time that there's a woman that God showed up and talked to before he talked to her husband about some things? Did you know that? Do you know one in particular in the Bible? Who? Yeah, you. Samson's mother. That's correct. Samson's mother. That's right. So I just want to encourage you ladies tonight. Be a sister. Be a servant. And be a sucker. An aid. Be part of the solution. 
Walk away from being part of the problem. Don't ever be part of division and contention in the assembly. Don't do that. Be a servant of the Most High God and seek to minister to people and be a blessing to them. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Father, in Jesus' name, would you encourage our ladies to serve you, to do the will of God, and Lord, to do it right and biblically. And thank you for the saints of God and the sisters in Christ at the East River Baptist Church. Our Master Club program, our Sunday School program, our music program, our nursery program, our fellowships. When somebody loses a member of their family and there's grieving and there needs to be loving and benevolence and kindness and service, Lord, these women and these young ladies, I've watched them serve with joy. And I pray, dear God, that we will continue to do so in the days that lie ahead. And Lord, I pray you'd raise up some Phoebes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.